Sing for Joy, the sermon by the Reverend Jean Randall Bodman, presented on Sunday, December 15th, 2019. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. One of the challenges of having heard the Christmas stories so many times in the very same words year after year, one of the pitfalls of that is that we all know how the story ends. It's hard to recapture the freshness of even the smaller startling bits of the story, much less the startling thing of the whole story, that God is coming in flesh to wake humanity up, to remind us of who we are, and to reconnect us to the heart of life. That God is on the side of the people, that was not news. The prophets had been declaring it for centuries. The people of Israel had experienced it for themselves over and over again, as God redeemed them from slavery in Egypt, restored them from exile in Babylon, and led them always homeward. But that God's own spirit would be so alive in one human being that he would overflow with teaching, healing, and blessing, that that would have been startling. And likewise, the story of Mary, so familiar to us, is full of surprises that it is easy to miss. The ordinary peasant who showed up pregnant before her marriage, that in itself was not a thing that was unheard of. Matthew's gospel tells us that Joseph, being a good man, was unwilling to put her to shame, so he decided to set her aside quietly. Clearly, there were expected courses of action to to take, some punitive, some compassionate. Others had found themselves in the same situation. But what is less expected is that this unlooked-for, unmarried pregnancy would cause not shame, but exultation in the young woman. Now, the text doesn't tell us why she did it, whether her own parents were no longer living or they were away from home, maybe they were unaccepting, or she was afraid that they would be unaccepting. But almost immediately after her dialogue with the angel, and let's just pause there to note that she had a dialogue with an angel. The text describes her as perplexed, but not too afraid to speak back, to question, and to decide for herself. And almost immediately after that momentous dialogue and decision, Mary headed up country to a town in the Judean hills to visit her much older cousin, Elizabeth. There we find them, two women who in that time and place would have been of not much consequence at all. A childless woman beyond the age of childbearing and an unwed mother-to-be. How many unwed young women have been forced on journeys out of town, sent silently away from home in shame? But not Mary. She went alone and in her strength, unashamed and rejoicing. How many unwed young women, upon arrival at the home of their 
conveniently out-of-town relatives, are met with recrimination and scorn. But not Mary. When Mary arrived at the home of her kinswoman Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped. Elizabeth herself was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out blessing on Mary with a loud voice. And having been welcomed resoundingly, Mary's unexpected behavior did not stop. Instead of either sitting down to rest or digging in to ask for advice about what to expect in a first pregnancy from Elizabeth, who was in her own first pregnancy and six months farther along, instead of an expected homely scene, Mary turned and launched into a prophecy, a prophecy which we repeat to this day. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In the words of Barbara Brown Taylor, Elizabeth and Zachariah, her husband, are the first to hear the song. But it is not just for them. It's also for her, Mary, and for the Mighty One who has done great things for her. It's for Gabriel, who first gave her the good news, and for all who will benefit from it for the proud and powerful who will be relieved of their swelled heads, for the hungry who will be filled with good things, for the rich who will be sent away empty so that they will have room inside themselves for more than money can buy. Her song is for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel, for every son and daughter of Israel who thought God had forgotten the promise to be with them forever, to love them forever, and to give them fresh and endless life. In the yearly routine of hearing the stories, in the art and cards and songs we sing about them, we may have lost some of the initial shock. God did not choose Mary for her meekness, but for her strength, not for her silent submission, but for her bold courage. And Mary, chosen, sang out with joyful confidence. Like the prophets who came before her, she sang about the things to come, the rearrangement of the world so that all have enough. And she sang about it as if it had already happened, having been invited to take part in the plan of bringing God's realm to people she found her joy in what was yet to be. In this divine dance, we are all dancing. God may lead, but it is entirely up to us if we will follow. Just because God sends an angel to invite one girl onto the dance floor is no guarantee she will say yes. Just because God sends a prophet to tell us how life on earth can be more like life in heaven does not mean that any of us will quit our day jobs to make it so. God acts, then it is our turn. God responds to us, then it is our turn again. These are the words of Reverend Taylor, and she continues, the only thing that is absolutely sure in this scenario is that we have a partner who is with us and for us and wants us to have life. Mary's trust in that fact is all she really has. What she does not have is a sonogram or a husband 
or an affidavit from the Holy Spirit that says, the child really is mine, leave the girl alone. All she has is her unreasonable willingness to believe that the God who has chosen her will be part of whatever happens next. And that, apparently, is enough to make her burst into song. She does not wait to see how things will turn out. She sings ahead of time." Close quote. I think Reverend Taylor is almost spot on. There are no parents in the picture, for sure. Joseph isn't quite in the picture yet. The angel appeared, conversed, and left. He didn't leave saying, I'll be right here with you the whole time. He didn't even say, I'll pop back in now and then to make sure you're okay. No, just as suddenly as the angel arrived, it left. She appeals to no priest, confides in no employer. What Mary has for sure is her trust in God's presence. But what she also has is Elizabeth. Elizabeth as witness and participant in her trust. This is a story about many things. It's a parable about the birth of God's love among humans. It's a tale of the courageous woman, Mary. It's her prophecy of the world made more like heaven, where the hungry are fed, the poor sustained, and the rich made to let go of all the wealth that is keeping others poor and keeping themselves blind to their own fragile, beautiful humanity. It's a story about Mary's trust in God, which was so deep that she was able to sing for joy in anticipation. But it is also a tale about community, about spiritual friendship, a model of how to be lovingly supportive of one another. Mary ran straight away to Elizabeth, trusting in the reception that she would get. And Elizabeth welcomed her, honored her, listened to her, and believed her. God chose to become incarnate and needed the hospitality of a woman's body to accomplish, accomplish this. But as the 14th century Dominican mystic Meister Eckhart would say, one of the meanings of this story is to remind us that we all await the birth of God in the soul. No matter what gender we are, no matter what age we are, no matter where we have been or where we are going, we can all carry the spark of Christ within us. Like Mary, we cannot go it alone. The joy of all new life must be shared. Like Mary, we need our Elizabeth. We need to have our joys and our hopes listened to. We need our visions of how our world and how the world can yet be we need those visions heard, listened to, and believed. We need to have our anxieties and our sorrows accompanied and comforted. Whether our hearts today are filled with prophetic joy or earthly sorrow, or both, even both in the same breath, we need Elizabeths beside us. And we need to be Elizabeth to one another welcoming presences to honor and bear witness to each other's lives. The roles will be reversed in our lives many times over. 
Sometimes it will require us, like Mary, to go walking out to find it. We can rarely plan these encounters of the Spirit, but we can be prepared for them. We can be prepared for and open to surprise, joy, and consolation. Whether we are the ones to head into the hill country today looking for our Elizabeth, or the ones who wait and welcome, we can be ready to celebrate, rejoice, and hope together. We can be ready to be surprised by one another, and surprised even as we hear familiar words one more time. Ready to respond with action to Mary's prophetic song of joy sung ahead of time. Ready to hear our name called into the dance of the spirit, to feel ourselves equipped to work for justice, to feed the hungry, to share our wealth with the poor, to let go of our commitment to economic and political systems that are unfair. We can be prepared to sing together our own joy in the vision and the promise of God to be with us and for us. Together, may our souls magnify the Lord and may our spirits rejoice in God our Savior. For the Mighty One has done great things for us and holy is God's name. Listen, listen, listen.